Welcome to Fintech Underground by Alpaca, a podcast devoted to stock trading API. From trading with algorithms to connecting apps to building app services, Alpaca is built for developers and traders. And with that being said, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Fintech Underground by Alpaca. In each episode, we aim to explore a different area within Fintech. Today's episode features Joe Prococo, the co-founder and co-CEO of Titan, an investment platform for everyone. I would like to also introduce our host, Yoshi, CEO and co-founder of Alpaca. From Joe's background at Goldman Sachs to his experience in the fintech industry, we dive deep into Titan's recent growth, series funding, and future plans. With that being said, let's get started. Hey, what's up, Joe? How are you, man? Yo, what's going on, Yoshi? How's everything? It's been great, like, you know, knowing you, chatting you about a lot of things, but firstly, congrats on the uh, Series A funding round announcement. Appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, the journey marches on, so it's great to be able to do it right and not just be uh, seven people in a garage. <laughs> well, like, you know, like I hear like from a bunch of the investors and the users that you're growing like super fast, but like, do you want to quickly introduce, you know, what you do at Titan? Uh, you know, I can talk about it for a long time, but I think sure. it's better that you do the YC style quick pitch. I'm Joe. Uh, I co-founded a company called Titan. I'm the co-CEO uh, in terms of my job responsibilities largely get out of everyone else's way who's way better than me internally and i just help pinch it on whatever they need frankly that's great that's great like you know i see that you know a lot of people are uh, putting money into your app but like uh, why is that that's a great question why are twenty-five thousand strangers downloading us in the app store and forking over on average you know like fifteen thousand dollars each yeah so with titan we're an investment platform for everyone. So if you think about, you know, there's three predominant investing use cases. One, I hate investing, but it's critical to my health. Make it go away. So and passive products are exceptional for that. Love it, man. Love it. I know. Second is get out of my way. I'm going to do precisely what I want when I want. Move over. Brokerage platforms are great for that. So there's Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, you name it. Then there's a third use case, which is I want to do this whole thing called investing, but I want someone to do it for me. Historically, there are things like mutual funds, hedge funds, private equity venture. Our generation is either locked out or categorically rejecting either of those options. So Titan's firmly building in that third use case to be the investment firm for everyone. Right. Because like, you, know, you started your career at the Goldman and that you were also at hedge fund. But like, you know, how did that uh, shape your, what you're doing from working at the prestige investment bank? It was pretty crazy. Honestly, uh, I had a really eye-opening moment when, you know, I realized all my friends back home, friends and family in New Jersey were just asking me what to do with their money. And I would say, oh, just put it in stocks or buy an ETF. Like you, you, you won't be able to get into the vehicles that my peers and myself work for here in New York. So just do this whole ETF stock thing, go for it. And then I'm like, wait, like that's actually like pretty terrible that that's the answer. And I realized like Wall Street and investing has this front of restaurant, back of restaurant divide. If you have like sub 20 million of net worth, you get seated in the front of the restaurant, you're given a vanilla menu. And on that menu, stocks, ETFs, brokerage apps, you name it. And it's like, okay, just pick one and, and leave whenever you're done. And then as soon as you're wealthy, they, the waiter taps you on the shoulder. They bring you through the kitchen to the back of the restaurant and do the switcheroo of the menu. They say, here, Yoshi, let me take that menu from you. Here's the real one. Hedge funds, page one through 10. VC, 
page 10 to 20, private equity thereafter. Tell us what you want. We have a recommendation for you. Chef's waiting to speak to you. And I was like, we need to build a back of the restaurant vehicle for everyone sitting in the front. And so I realized it's, it was just a, a, a problem worth spending a decade on to solve. I think like a lot of people, including Robinhood, talk about basically democratization. And I believe that Robinhood did a beautiful job with this uh, basically trading app. But I think like, you know, at least from my understanding, like you did this like beautiful presentation of what you do and like, you know, your value prop on the trading app, like using videos, uh, you know, introduction and explanation, uh, doing all, all sorts of things. Like what is your aha moment? Like, okay, this is going to be radically different. Like, you know, while a lot of uh, people want to say they're democratizing and making the access to everyone, uh, what was your aha moment doing that your own unique way? It was just like the word innovation and democratizing has been used a lot. And I feel like to really understand the paradigm of what democratize means, you have to have lived both sides. Like just conceptually in the term democratize, there is something that is not currently being disseminated to everyone else. Hence, to democratize, you must know both A and B. And to say like the brokerage category was democratizing something, I guess the question I would just push back to those players would be what was previously locked? And so, and I don't say that in a negative context, I, I say it from the way of when, you know, the reason why I was so frustrated and why I set out to start Titan was because this was like true, pure bullseye democratization. If you are poor, you will get categorically rejected by the entire asset class. Goal is to democratize that asset class. No, I appreciate that. Like, I, I always think about the same thing because, like, I see the word democratization like too much yeah. everywhere in the world. And uh, yeah, I appreciate your, like, you know, you agree on that. <laughs> I'm curious where else you see it. But yeah, it almost like makes me allergic in a way anytime I read it because, yeah, it's like there are actual things that need to be democratized. And it's sort of like they get swept under the rug because everything else is using the term democratized. But no, so there's like a, there's a lot of work we all need to do to make sure the things that need to be democratized are actually democratized. Right. And uh, also like, you know, just digging into like, you know, how you came up with the Titan and started it, you know, you explained about like, you know, this needing to know about A and B to actually define what the democratization is. But how do you think that what's really important to, you know, start building this, uh, you know, super successful fintech application in this era, do you think like, you know, it's require you to go through all those, um, you know, basically Goldman Sachs experience, Marquis experience, or like, you know, do you think otherwise? I think like with, it's probably a subject that applies across industries. Do you have the prerequisite domain expertise to do something? And that is probably heightened in regulated industries. And then that is also heightened one more degree in industries where you're a fiduciary. And so this can be the legal geek 15 seconds of the podcast, but uh, the, summarizing U.S. law for, in terms of like regulation, you can go sell whatever t-shirt you want. Even if your customers are walking out with the ugliest t-shirts in the world, no one's going to blame you for it. That was their fault. They picked the ugliest t-shirts. You can feel free to send those t-shirts. If as a fiduciary, you're selling your clients bad products for them, the U.S. government raises the bar. They say, no, like the way we need to operate in society, it's required that people have solid financial health. So even if they come clamoring to you for really ugly financial products as a fiduciary, you at least need to do the job of explaining to them why that's not necessarily good for them. And so 
Hence, just because the bar is higher, it almost requires a much higher bar of domain expertise. So building a, there's a variety of different complexities in terms of like which aspect of trading or investing app you look to build. If you're looking to just do like a passive robo app, you really just have to borrow the thinking and financial products of like Vanguard and Schwab. Let me package them together. There's research papers or create a cute brand. I'm out. If you're like, I want to rebuild from the ground up what venture capital means for unaccredited investors, you have to understand the law. You have to understand how to build these things. You have to have a fiduciary attitude. So I definitely am encouraging of people pursuing innovation at these problems because they're just so much work. But uh, definitely one needs to be smart and have the expertise about it. You touched upon the uh, fiduciary responsibility and also the uh, like legal compliance perspective of that. So going through the Goldman and the McKinsey, like you know, bigger firms, and then you're actually starting and building your own financial services. How was your experience like, you know, going through the regulatory perspective? Because personally, I didn't learn anything when I used to work at, you know, Lehman Brothers Investment Banks. And like, I was yeah. like, whoa, you know? <laughs> Probably the biggest thing I learned from Goldman and McKinsey that I still maintain today, they were just, you know, institutions that like valued excellence running highly complex processes, Goldman, you know, live M&A execution IPOs, McKinsey strategy projects for several companies you've probably heard of. And ultimately standing up, you know, registered investment advisor and soon to be broker dealer is just one more big, hairy, complex, intense process requiring a high degree of caliber. Um, where there's a lot of ambiguity. And so if anything, I was very privileged at a young age just to get so many at-bats doing that under the guy's mentors and really awesome CEOs. And it's a muscle that, you know, I'm trying to train each Titan we bring on as employee. Like here's, here's how to do it. Here's good process management, team management. Here's how to make decisions with ambiguity, all that jazz. It wasn't that difficult going through those training in a way to now like starting to build the investment advisor and broker dealer from zero? Oh, no, there were definitely challenges. Um, if, I, <laughs> if I were to say it was a walk in the park, I would definitely be mismarketing it. No, it had it, 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 it uh, had its own set of challenges. It was definitely a lot of work, in particular when you're going from zero to one on any subject, in particular one that's very hairy. You know, you need to ask a lot of questions. You need to be ready to say, I don't know a million times. Um, but ultimately... If you can find the right thought leaders, that's sort of like the shoot and ladder effect. So it's like just the idea of leverage. Like, okay, there is hairy, complex problem I need to solve. There's probably someone who has already solved it. Find said human, you're already, you know, 90% of the way there versus trying to do it myself. So long-winded way of saying Titan stands on the shoulders of giants. You know, it's a tribe. Lots of people have helped us. Interesting way to think about it because, uh, you know, I think us going through the broker-dealer process like a few years ago, I really had to read a lot of books like Street 7 for Dummies and, <laughs> and kind of, you know, Amazing. need to educate myself, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Find a Khan Academy a class on broker right. dealers. Amazing. Um, yeah. You should, yeah. yeah. I, 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 ironically enough, I read the like Investment Company Act of 1940. That one I yes. had to read. For BD, have been finding core thought leaders, but you know, you still got to be able to dance around the ropes yourself, you know, when you care a lot, which is a byproduct. Definitely, definitely. Like, you know, I, I feel like, you know, reading those things, it's like learning the history, 1933, 1934 and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of rich history. I feel like we might need a little bit of updates. Yeah. And also, like, I wanted to touch a little bit on the um, 
Y Combinator? Because I think like, you know, um, a lot of people also uh, wonder about like what we learn and like, you know, what we experience at the, you know, during the Y Combinator program. Like, what do you think was the uh, best learning that you had and the experience you had going through the uh, YC program? Probably the idea of speed, the, the humility and recognition that everything you think and believe is just a hypothesis. And so, you know, you can either think about it a lot or you can just ship and get data on it and figure out if you're right or wrong. The concept of velocity I've come to realize is probably one of, if not the most important variable that correlates to success amongst businesses like you and me, and probably the first most important variable, if not that one, would just be, are you right or wrong on your thesis about the world? I don't know. What, what do you think from your Y Combinator journey? Now, I think you said it beautifully. I think the concept of speed velocity, and uh, I think you said the word humility and the recognition. I think I felt that a lot, like this every two-week sprint, where you kind of declare yourself your goal. And if you didn't achieve it, you basically got, oh man, it's like humility. Yeah. And you actually achieve this like, you know, dream milestone. It's like recognition. So like, yeah, that's true. That is the kind of, uh, this super short sprint and the velocity you have to kind of commit to it regardless of what the outcome is. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, it was just like a new level of speed that you don't realize you have until a mentor shows you, you can actually do it. And then the challenge is how do you know you disseminate that aspect of culture throughout the whole org as you scale? So that's like a question I'm live thinking through. And I think it's a really awesome opportunity that I think through a lot, how to make sure every new Titan we bring on has that same shared sense of velocity, high quality product that like we had from way back when in the days of Mountain View. True, true. How do you like, you know, does the thing that you really care the most? And uh, I think like, you know, you explain about your role, about like making sure that you get away from the, what other people are doing. Like, how did you think your role changed around since you're going through the YC program and right now, you know, after raising the Series A? The biggest difference is at Y Combinator, or at least when you're young as a business, you almost need to bring a product by force of will into the marketplace. And then you're wearing six different hats to actually get that product into the world. So we have three founders at the time. Clay was doing a lot of the investment management and the operations himself. Max was architecting as a CTO, you know, the whole Shabam himself. I was doing all the design marketing myself, literally taught myself everything in Figma. And then now the idea is about finding leverage and having better people than you do those different tasks in the business. And instead of me wearing that hat for like a third of my time, having a full-time hire do it 40 hours a week, and then you can watch how fast your journey accelerates. And I probably think we didn't make that shift fast enough. I think it's an error of omission. Hanging on, like if I were to have hung on and said, Joe, you should still be that designer of Titan full-time. It'd be a massive error of omission because there are way we just brought on a Danny Keen who's running design for Titan. He just left Google to join. Danny was sort of just like, Joe, get out of Figma, move over. Like I'm going to take over and destroy it way better than you can. And so my job now, I only have three tasks, which is uh, I'm going to say it unromantically, then I'll say it romantically, unromantically. My job is to determine where capital should go, go get the capital, go deploy the capital, unromantic. Romantically, I should set strategy, go fundraise, and then go hire and architect humans to go execute on the strategy. So any task I'm doing that's not one of those three things, 
should be a massive like red flag. Makes sense. When was the uh, like, you know, the last time you felt, oh, wow, like this was a scary moment. Like, I'm sure like you have it all the time, but like, you know, something that you felt and like, you know, that really make you grow and then make the company grow and the team grow yeah. uh, going through that kind of thing. Way back when, so if you think about Titan and just for listeners out there, if you think about our business, like a stack, so what technology sit on what, just overly simplify, there's Titan, then there's a plug into the marketplace, and then there's an underlying vault, which holds our customer assets. Titan is the first layer. The second layer is called a broker dealer, which we are not, we leverage partner. And the third is a custodian, the bank vault. We are not that either. So we rely on partners to do that second layer and third layer. And there's a lot of really awesome partners, well-established, highly regulated. And it's why a lot of companies choose to use them. We first use the first person that we picked for that second layer was a wonderful business called third-party trade for the broker dealer layer. Uh, uh, Jack Dorsey over at Square thought it was so great as well. So we bought it. And so then we got a notification saying, Titan, you need to switch. You need to go find a different partner for that second layer. And it's sort of like doing heart surgery on your business. And the reason why it was a little scary was just from the perspective of we were hoping to do a lot of other things with our time. And then it's like, okay, instead of working on product, launching cool features for our customers, time to go do heart surgery on the business and plug in to a new plug. And what that sort of just taught me is just to always think about like what could be these exogenous shocks that could possibly occur to one's business. And more deeply, like the extrapolation here is like as founders of companies, we should be doing pre-mortems all the time. Like why would our entity ever fail to reach its mission? What are those reasons? I think I have about 12 and I know those. Like if someone asked, what are the pre-mortems? Bam, 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 bam. And then you start to assess risk what risks are actually worth taking versus what risks are calculated that you should keep. So just running a business 101. And that was a big wake up call. Yeah. I, I feel like that's like a long time ago now, but you know, I, I realize it's not that long time ago uh, yeah, when that I, happened. Yeah. It feels like yesterday, but like right. realistically a few years ago, Yeah, yeah. clear, yeah. clear battle scars from it. But uh, right. We're, it's obviously very important for us to, uh, you know, build the most secure, awesome technology. So hence, we wanted to make sure we did it right. So anytime someone says you have to shift partners, we're obviously going to do it right. Uh, but yeah, that was a fun period. Yeah, like, you know, I think like a lot of things are moving in the industry, for sure. Uh, it's yeah, been, sure. been kind of initiation of the whole, like a lot of movement, consolidation and the new ones and stuff. Yeah, it's, um, and then you can see some of the issues that other people, other players have had trying to rebuild their own layer of those parts of the stack. Yeah. And then seeing when you have extreme use cases on it, like the GameStop situation, ultimately the system breaks. Even if it's good technology, it's just not geared for those extreme use cases. So, right, right. You know, it's uh, going back to your earlier question on, you know, people starting out and uh, trying to build these technologies from scratch. Hence, it's just, you know, things to stay aware of that, uh, you know, the, these are high stakes technologies. Right, right. I know like there's a bunch of the things that you're, you said like in the pre-mortem, but what is a specific one that you really worry about or care about right now? Of course, like you know, there are a bunch of the internal stuff that, you know, I don't think it's not relevant, but like more of the external stuff. Do you like think of anything that, you're thinking about all the time in your head? It's actually the internal stuff. I think it's business by business. So if like, if one were in like a highly competitive marketplace, like Airbnb several years ago, Airbnb, I think raised their seed and then Rocket Internet tried to replicate their company in Europe and raised a hundred million dollars. 
say Airbnb had to go raise a hundred million dollars and then go scale and compete. Mm. Um, we are nowhere near close to that in terms of level of competition. For us, my actual biggest premortem is right now, Titan has had an all-star cast of A-plus people. And it's been critical to us being able to say, okay, we believe we should go do this idea to impact our customers. Let's go execute on it. Like we can almost take executing as an afterthought because our people are so good. If we need to continue to do all the things on our to-do list and all the things our customers request, we need to continue to be able to scale and hire the best of the best. And if we can't create an environment for those people to thrive, our pace and velocity, which we said earlier is the number one thing, that would go down. And then hence things could cycle negatively virtuously. So for me, I hence do a lot of thinking on our hiring. How do we attract best talent? Uh, how do we retain them? How do we create the right uh, management procedures to just give people open sandboxes? So I know folks may be looking for like one exogenous data point externally, but uh, reality, the academically right answer for us is get nailing hiring. That makes sense. Like at the end of the day, that comes down to how you execute things, even though there's a bunch of external stuff that you would care about. The solution would be always internal, what you can do. Yeah, I really think um, startups die more by reasons in their control than reasons not in their control, which is an empowering thought when you think about it. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, as we're like, you know, close to wrapping up, where can the users find you and, uh, you know, how much they can start putting into the Titan Invest? Right. And like, you know, right. what would they expect from the Titan Invest app? Yeah. Go to the app store, type in Titan, or go to titaninvest.com. In terms of what they should invest, it's that back of the restaurant treatment. We're an investment firm built for everyone. So download our app. Our investor relations team takes it from there. We have $100 minimum. Check out our disclosures before you consider investing. But we're, uh, important. we're building. Very important. <laughs> very important. Um, disclosures are always very important. But yeah, we're building something that's uh, super exciting. And uh, you know, we've got we won a lot of awards last year. U.S. News featured us as a top advisor. Benzinga, we won their, one of their global awards. We won top performing advisor four quarters in a row last year. So that's wow, cool that's to, huge. That's huge, man. The performance matters. Yeah, last year we viewed it almost as our responsibility, just given how crazy the markets were with COVID. So we were really happy that you know, in a really volatile time, we were able to make it count for our clients and their capital um, when they need it the most. Got it. Perfect. So last question that I always ask to everyone is this. So considering all those uh, regulatory stuff, compliance stuff, disclosures, uh, you know, a bunch of the stuff, fintech seems to be pretty complicated compared to, you know, other apps that, or like, you know, services that of course, like, you know, we've seen uh, with our, you know, batchments and everything. Is fintech worth it? Yeah. Like our generation is going to have 10 trillion of assets. And we've determined that like finance, aka money, is a like means by which you live. Like, do you want to send your kid to public versus private school? Do you want to afford that extra trip to Tokyo or Thailand? Do you want to splurge on a different home? Do you want to take care of a family member? Like what you do with your money is quite literally how you can live on our brief time on planet earth. And so I'm obviously biased given what I'm choosing to do with my day job, but I think it's underappreciated. Like this is like your health, like there's your physical health and there's your financial health. 
and we need to treat financial technology that degree of importance. So, you know, I'm really excited for all innovation across a lot of different categories, but with fintech in particular, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the future has to bring. Great, great. Thank you very much, Joe, for, uh, you know, all the great conversation and uh, the great words. Thanks, Joe. He was a co-founder, co-CEO of the Titan Invest. Make sure to install the app. You can put the money from $100 into the super hedge fund products. Thank you. Thanks, Yoshi. I also wanted to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode of Fintech Underground by Alpaca. As always, check out all of our past episodes on all major streaming platforms podcasts can be found. Thank you.